Hello everybody, welcome to episode 27 of uh, Satellite 664. I'm uh, one of your co-hosts, Kaz Tagian, and uh, as always I'm joined by Mr. Steve Loopy Newhouse and uh, making his debut on the show, we'd like to welcome uh, Mr. Paul Lindop, uh, moderator of the Iron Maiden Fan Club. Welcome to the show, Paul. Uh, good evening. Come on, you irons. <laughs> now, there's a bit of... Didn't, was, say, that. Didn't say that last night. <laughs> yes, now there might be a bit Stay of... Te- quietly. There might be a bit of tension. Uh, it might be a little, a little bit of tension because, uh, you know, what was, it, what was the result last night, West Ham and Arsenal? 2-0 uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a football rivalry on Satellite 664. But anyway, look, it's we've been away for quite a while and we're, we're back now. And uh, how's how's everyone going? Cold, cold, cold. Cranky, yes. Yeah. Good. Yeah, there's a bit of a challenge getting this show up. We, well, we've done, we've been doing the show for two and a half years and I have never experienced this many glitches, technical glitches, getting a show up and running. So fingers crossed it'll all run uh, run smoothly for the remainder of the recording. Yeah, basically everybody, if, um, if my picture disappears at any time, I will be back. I just don't know when. <laughs> I thought I'd throw that in there now. <laughs> it's very cryptic there. All right. Well, you so, won't be able to hear me. You just won't be able to see me. But you're the full package, Loopy. We need to see and hear you. Don't otherwise. tell me about full. I'm stuck on I had steak and chips for dinner. I'm definitely full. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of cholesterol intake there, mate. Uh, steak and chips. Now steak is plenty of iron, so you know, I've got that going for me. <laughs> anyway, look, um, what are we talking about today? We uh, we did. Uh, we felt last episode, or the episode before it, we did a very brief, really, really brief. Uh, you know, rundown on Senjutsu. It's probably the biggest thing that's happened in the Iron Maiden world for a few years, and we thought we'd come back and actually revisit it a bit more with Paul. Um, but Paul, I want to welcome you to the show by introducing you. Um, so um, you've you've got quite a fascinating history. You've got a very long history with the band. Um, so yeah, as a fan, yeah. Yeah, as a fan, of course. So what I'd like you to do is just tell us a little little bit about when you became a fan, when your first show was, you know, and because you, you've seen some incredible tours. And then could you maybe tell us a little bit about um, your role as moderator of the Iron Maiden fan club and what that involves, what are the, the challenges of that? And so you've got the floor, mate. Okay, yeah, thank you. Um, well, yeah, I first got into the band in, I think it was the summer of, 80, um, an elder cousin of mine uh, introduced me to them because I was sort of learning, trying to learn and play a, a guitar at the time. And uh, I was around his house one day and he said, oh, you you like guitar, have a listen to this. And he, he played me Phantom of the Opera. That was it. Hooked. Um, I was nine at the time. Um, and I was mainly into sort of uh, the police and new wave stuff then, and the Beatles and Elvis through my parents. Um, but yeah, that was it. It was sort of, okay, save your pocket money up, go out and buy the album. Um, 
they were doing a a tour, I think, in about the November time. I think it was when they introduced Adrian, uh, and I was deemed not old enough to go to that. But um, funny enough, the following March, being a ten-year-old, I was allowed. So yeah, went a few miles down the road to Bracknell Leisure Centre on the Killers tour with my cousin again. Um, and that was really it, you know, that's it. It's from then it was Maiden, so it was 82, 83, 84, 86 at Hammersmith. So all those tours as a youngster, brilliant. You know, the, the memories from seeing those shows back in the day and then seeing them again later, it's sort of everything all comes back. But those original shows from 82 to 88 at Hammersmith were superb. Um, Donington 88 is another highlight. First ever Monsters of Rock I went to. Went with a guy from work who was a big rock metal fan. He'd been before, he was older than me. I think I was 17 then, travelled up on the train, paid on the door, and then got home, I think, at 10 a.m. on the Sunday morning without any sleep. <laughs> Seeing probably one of, I think, one of the best outdoor shows I think I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, wow. yeah, superb. The, I've seen Maiden at Donington every time apart from the Book of Souls one, and I think that's the best they've ever played. Yeah, superb. Yeah, funny, interesting um, you say that. Um, Keith Keith Wilfort, we had him on uh, a few yeah, sh- few shows ago. Yeah. yeah, a few shows ago, and uh, his I think he mentioned his all time favourite show was Donington '88. Mm. Yeah, yeah, superb. Yeah, yeah, I think I've. Like I said I've missed one at Donington, which was 2016. Yeah, didn't go to that one. Hopefully, go next year if it's still on. Fingers yeah. crossed. Um, yeah. I think I've missed one tour, which was Ed Hunter, because they didn't play in the UK. Um, <laughs> didn't really have the money at the time to travel to. Paul, have you um, have you actually um, been abroad to see them, or is it just the UK? No. Uh, no, Wales. <laughs> That's it. All, all mm. UK, yeah. Still abroad, isn't it? <laughs> you just don't hear basketball, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, all UK shows. I've never seen okay. them outside of the UK. No. I, I'd like to, but, you know, back in the day, it was just, didn't have the money to do it, you know, and travel and this, that, and the other. So to be, to be, it's, to on, be, it's on my bucket list. To be honest, Paul, you didn't really need to when you've got. When you had um, a whole an entire week's shows at Hammersmith in '86, mm. or yeah. you know four shows back to back in '84, did you, you didn't really need to travel anywhere. I mean, they're no. they're right there. And yeah, but and, what if you want more? What if you want to go and see more? Let's go to Birmingham. Six ain't enough. Go to Birmingham. Yeah, yeah I've <laughs> done that. I did that a few times actually. I did uh, London, Birmingham. Yeah. That's the thing. You guys were very lucky because um, in the UK, you you had, you know, 20, 25 shows on each of those tours and the distances are so close to each other. Um, and if you really wanted to, you could scoot off an hour away to Paris. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't forget, we, we saw the, you know, we had the World Slavery Tour here in 85. Then we had to wait seven years seven years to mm. see the band so 
So, you know, it's, uh, you guys are yeah, very... How fo- long have you had to wait this time, Kaz? Uh, what, what do you mean? Well, when was the last time they played? Uh, 2019. What, well, Australia? Australia. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. So it went 82, 85, 92, then 2008. So there was a 16-year hiatus. Then um, 2011, 2016, and that was it. That was the last time. Uh, That's five years. Five years, yeah. So, so an Australian passport came very handy after a while because it, you know, <laughs> allowed me to get to some shows uh, overseas. But yeah, it's that's it's the tyranny of distance. But um, you know, also to logistically, it's not a. I mean, it's not. It's one of their B markets. They're not really going to make a lot of money coming down here, and that's why they don't tour here all that often. So, but that's okay. No, it means I got to get to travel the world a little bit. You know, when the world was normal. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, Paul. Uh, Paul, tell us about how you got involved with the um, the fan club and your role as the moderator. <coughs> um, I was first asked back in. 2016 if I would like the opportunity to do it I've been a member of the fan club since the early 80s and on the forum when it first started Um, but because of reasons to do with touring and there's something to do with management during this that period when I got asked I didn't actually start doing it till the new forum started in 2019 Mm. so it was nearly three years from when I was first asked. But, yeah, I didn't refuse. I said, as soon as they asked me, I said, yeah, I'll do it. So it was a combination of um, management and uh, Laz. Uh, that, was, that was how it all started, yeah. Terrific. And um, tell us a little bit about the day-to-day workings of the Iron Maiden online fan club. Well... It's, it's quite hard to describe, really, because obviously, you know, as well, I'm, a, I'm a fan like everybody else on there. So you've, you've got to look at it. You, OK, you're a moderator, but you've got to look at it as from a fan's point of view as well. Because, mm. like I said, I'm a fan as well. We all are. We're not, we, you know, no one, I don't think, who, who's on there <laughs> doing anything uh, moderating or admin is not a fan of the band. So... We, you've got to be so, uh, objective to what people are saying and doing mm. and you know sometimes the written word comes across differently than the spoken word absolutely so someone could actually say something and you could interpret it a different way to what they actually mean so if circumstances arise um, and there's something we think we need to deal with or look at we as a as a group have a have a conflag and chat about it and decide the best way forward on handling the not not situation but the post or thread or something like that Mm. it's it people think it's impartial personal it's not it's we 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 do talk about it, as I said, and we make a decision, a democratic decision. It's not ad hoc. We don't just go, right, I, I, I'm having enough of that, I'm getting rid of that, or I'm sending this person 
a message to edit or delete their post. It's yeah, everything everything's done democratically. So Paul, I know people sorry. And how far how far do people have to go to push your buttons? Um <laughs> sometimes not too far. Um there is there is there is a we you know, as they call it, a code of conduct and a yeah, an yeah, FAQ to what you can and can't do. So people should really be reading that and remembering that. Like posting that's, pictures. That's what the rules and regulations are for. Yeah, posting we, pictures. We, we make a point of this on airliners live, so yeah, I mean yeah. I understand. Yeah. 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 So like I was gonna say like posting pictures or posting information about band members' families or hotels where they're staying or yeah. personal details. Yeah. No no. Big no no, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, quite right. I hate yeah, that. I think, I think the difference being is that where where I'm dealing with, with airliners, it's uh, live chat on YouTube, yeah. whereas you've got a little while, because it's a forum, you've got a couple of days or a couple of hours, whatever, to chew it over and then make a decision. Whereas yeah. our, our decisions have to be you know, there and then. Yeah, because the good, the good thing is, because there's, there's four of us moderating, um, you know, we're all in we're all in different parts of the world, so we're all sort of covering each time zone. Um, so that's good planning. I mean, what was that planning? Yeah. Or um, yeah. I don't know, because there's two of us based in in the UK. Uh, one guy, Tim, is based in America, and we've now got uh, Polina on board. As a, Polina, uh, Polina, my yeah, good she, friend Polina. Yeah. Hi, Polina. Yeah, she says hi. She says hi, by the way. Oh, she's awesome. Yeah, hi, yeah. we love yeah, her. She's now on board um, on a sort of trial basis, but don't, don't tell her I said this. She's doing a good job. At the she moment. watches the show, though, mate. She just does. <laughs> I, know. I know. That's why I said it. She, she, she owes me a tenner now. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so we can't, you can't actually moderate every single post in every single thread so that's why people are encouraged to if something if something comes up that they feel is controversial something a post gets flagged and then we deal with it from the moderation point of view obviously we don't just do it between the four of us we include alex as well who runs a fan club and if need be the guys at phantom office mm. sometimes it rarely gets to that level but Paul, one, one important issue that I want to clarify with you, and I know you and I have spoken about this previously off-air together, privately, yeah. but, but no, we were going to talk about this. There's a lot of um, angst, shall we say, about the the um, the box set, the sen Senjutsu box set. Um, is, and that, is that, you sure? <laughs> well... <laughs> So, so, and and wrong somewhere. And there is a misconception. There is a misconception that you know the fan club are you know in charge of it and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so, could you? This is the platform. This is the forum. Could you clarify um, how this all works and the underlying issue behind it? I I know that obviously it's a, it was a fan club exclusive. So it was done through the fan club for fan club members only. Um, 
the only other things that I know are that it's being dealt with on a day-to-day -day basis by Phantom Management and it's being communicated to Alex at the fan club and he is trying to update everybody with everything that's going on as it happens. Other than that, I know as much about it as you do. Um, I've, I've spoken to Alex and you know he's he sort of he's getting so many emails to do with this and trying to go through every one to answer everybody's <coughs> queries and problems yeah. that he sort of you know who I think when he started the, the fan club job it, he didn't envisage that he was actually going to be like an administrator for for a a, a problem that's occurred but it's, it's been dealt with I know people are getting a bit restless um because you know obviously it was released in September and we're now December but <laughs> it is coming to a, a resolution very slowly but um I think that everything will hopefully be all sorted out and all be hunky-dory at the end but, yeah Paul do we do we know what's actually happened to the box why has it been delayed I it's something to do with, I know people have problems with the inlays, that there's been some problems with those. Um, there's also been some problems with the actual box itself. So when it's been delivered, there's been some damage to the box itself. Okay. Um, to, to be honest, I, I try and steer clear of that because I, 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 don't, I don't really want to get embroiled in all the conversations because, like I said, I don't know what's going on day to day at Phantom and what's being communicated between them and the box suppliers and makers and Alex. So I think as a democratic decision, we sort of, we, we try to appease fans by saying, you need to email this, you need to email this person or speak to this person because it's being dealt with at a higher level. Mm. Um, like I said, I know as much about the box manufacturing as, as you do, yep. you know. Um, so it's, I know it's frustrating and it would be frustrating for me if my box had turned up like that. Thank God, touch wood, he didn't. But I would probably be in the same boat, even though I was a moderator, I would probably express my frustration at it all. And I, we, we get it still, because I, I get it with, with uh, merchandise. I've ordered four shirts from the shop in October one has turned up so far yeah and you you know the communication from the uh, the the people that I'm not, not going to mention their name but the suppliers <laughs> that send them out it's, it's you know, not very good but, uh, yeah all right well that thank you for clarifying that well, uh, bravado anymore is it no it's no it's it's not bravado or global as they're called now. It's it's the other people that have got the initials MG. So. Yeah, <laughs> who shall remain nameless. Bravado was in the eighties though, wasn't it, Loopy? I mean, yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's still the same people. It's called Global Merch now. Yeah, yeah it's global now. Oh, so Bravado became Global Merch. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. See, see the things we learn yeah. on this show, Loopy. Just, just. Yeah, Matt, you should have told yeah. me that. Matt probably did tell me, but you know, my attention span is is. Pretty low, yeah. so I forget yeah, a lot of people. Oh, Matt's got everything, hey? So, how long are you going to remember this now? I've told you. 
for prosperity because <laughs> because this is now recorded on film. I can go and watch it as many times as I want. You know, all those all those views. I think I mentioned to you before, Kaz, when we spoke. Uh, yep. People think that because we're moderators, we we get the inside story. We don't. Because I think I mentioned to you about the Bel- Belshazzar's feast. Yes. When all that kicked off online and all that. Lot. We we knew nothing. Literally, yeah. we knew as much as. But did, didn't I didn't I turn around and say to you at the time, Kaz, when that first poster came out, and I spotted the seventeen in Roman numerals, and I said then. 17th studio album. You did. You did. You absolutely credit to you. You did. Probably one of the first people to figure it out. And Paul, this is why I wanted to Paul, this is why I wanted to give you the opportunity to really flesh this out for us because I want to take the you know, I want people to understand that, you know, like you're saying, because you're a moderator, it doesn't mean you uh, there's you know, all knowing, all seeing being, you know. So Hopefully, it'll take the pressure off guys like yourself and Tim and Polina and, you know, uh, Alex, Jason, yeah, Jason, yeah, um, yeah. you know, yeah. To, to not be, I guess, hassled also, unnecessarily. It, also, it, wasn't, it wasn't you done being hassled. <laughs> yeah, I wish, yeah. Um, I'm, 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 I yeah, missed that one. I said it also means that you don't get perks. Um, yeah, it was, it was weird because, obviously... We were getting, oh, well, I don't know, I can't speak for the others, but getting messages from people. What's going on? What's going on? Well, I know as much as you do. Um, you know, and even my oldest son, who's a big Maiden fan, who comes to all these shows with me, he was actually following the stuff on Twitter and all this and that. And we, you know, we tried, we tried our best to get information out of the guys, but they were so literally, no, don't know what you're talking about. We know nothing. No, 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 no. So, as a fan, we were the same as everybody else on the forum. We knew nothing. We knew nothing about the writing on the wall video coming out until they sort of did that countdown. We knew nothing about the album being um, announced and launched on the website. Nothing at all. Literally, we were kept in the dark. And I, I, I don't know whether people actually know that. It's sort of the only thing I did know that I can actually confess now was I knew that they were in the studio in 2019 recording the album. But I'm mm. not going to tell you how I knew that. Mm. But I did I didn't know that. And I actually... Well, there were a certain couple of pictures that turned up of um, Steve... Uh, not Steve. Uh, Dave and Adrian in the... Um, oh, what's the name of the place? Gilliam Tell, Gilliam yeah. Tell Studios in Paris. Yeah. No, the, the place where all the bones are. Whatever that's called. The bones? Yeah, the, okay. the, the, it's all the, the, the skulls and whatever. I remember seeing a picture of Cod and, um, and Dave Murray in there uh, many, many years ago. I don't, don't remember that, no. No. No, I actually, before the photos, people saying, oh, we saw them in Paris and photos, I actually knew before that. But I'm... I'm I can't say why and how I knew. But that was very early 2019, wasn't it? It was sort of March, was, yeah, yeah. March, April 2019. It was, it was definitely, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, good. And and that's a perfect segue into uh, really the, the topic du jour, which is uh, the actual album. I, I, we just skimmed over it last time. We didn't really give it much um 
I love the love the way you did that, Kev. What's that? <laughs> it's a segue. I just I loved it. It's called so- <laughs> It's called signposting. You know. Um, in oh, going back going back to what Loopy said about per- perks, I did get a Belcher's Star Fish T-shirt. Though. Oh, you did. <laughs> yeah. Now, Loopy, you'll be happy. An original. An original. Now, Loopy, you'll, you'll be very happy to know that with the uh, this Senjutsu, I've been very, very conservative and moderate in the amount of merchandise that I've purchased. So I've, I've, um, I've only purchased two ver- two two versions of the CD: the the European pressing and the Japanese pressing. You have to have the Japanese pressing, um, and I've only purchased five Senjutsu T-shirts. That's it. I got the CD. That's it. That's it. So, so I think I've got three. Yeah. I've got the CD, the lenticular, and the FC box. Yeah. yeah. So, so my collecting days are well and truly being wind down, Loopy. You'll be happy to hear that. I'll, I'll actually be. Ha- I'll actually have enough money to yeah. do some grocery well, shopping until, until the next tour, of course. And you want every fucking poster that you can see. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I need money for groceries and bills, so I, I've had to. <laughs> had That's to. Bill. Sorry. Who's Bill? Bill Barkley. Bill Barkley. <laughs> Look, uh, three and a half months on. Um, we've had this uh, album for three and a half months on. I think, um, you know, at the start, some of us liked it. Some of us were warming to it. Some of us didn't know what to think of it. Um, now, three and a half months on, we've all had a chance to listen to it multiple times. Um, what's everyone's impression? Uh, multiple times. Yeah. How many? Go on, Loopy. How many times have you I, heard it? How many times have you heard through, it? All the way through. I've actually heard it twice. Okay. Really? Yeah. I've had a time. I was so busy doing other stuff. I just don't get a chance to do it. Well, what do you think? What now? I mean, yeah. Originally, I think I gave it seven out of ten. I'm sort of bordering on eight now. Okay. Yeah. No, I was Sorry, go on, Loopy. Sorry. I was just going to say that uh, having read the FC magazine, um, and there are a couple of times where Bruce turns around and says, you know, you really do need to listen to it a few times. You know, there's a couple of songs that will jump out at you, and yes, they do. You know? Yeah, yeah, this is... And I think I need to hear it a little bit more than I have. Yeah, this is a very unique album, uh, probably the most unique they've done in their career, because uh, in almost every other album... Um, there were songs that were immediately very accessible, you know, and um, particularly back in the 80s, you know, you, you put the album on, it just jumped out of the speakers and it got you f- from start to finish. You know, I mean, we all, the first time we all heard Peace of Mind, Power Slave, Somewhere in Time, it was the whole thing just was just, you just loved it straight away. Um, then, obviously, in the modern era, they've become a lot more, Progressive, the music's become a lot more complex, a lot more in, um, intricate, and therefore it, that accessibility isn't necessarily there. This album is even that on another level because you know the lyrical themes are quite complex. Um, as I mentioned in the other show, the other episode, you know, several of the songs are very melancholic, very sad um, in their tone. So it's it's not. It's certainly a very different experience to putting on <coughs> Seventh Son of a Seventh Son for the first time 33 years ago. So, 
Um, mm. I think that's why... It's, it's, mm. it's, the, it's to me, it's, it's the evolution. Yeah, it is. Of the band. Absolutely. You know, if you go back to the debut, 1980, yes. to now, you can see, to me, I, I can definitely see and hear the evolution yeah. and, you know, the way it's, it's changed, but the same, if you know what I mean. Exactly. And that is a sign of a healthy, growing band. I mean, even though they've been, you know, they've been around for 40 odd years, they're still, they're growing, they're progressing. And, you know, to some people who say, well, I don't like the new album, I don't like what they've become. My answer is, look, these are not the same guys who recorded Somewhere in Time in 1986. I mean, yes, obviously they're the same personnel, but they've changed as people. They've evolved as people, um, they've matured as people, and musically they've also evolved and changed. You can't expect people to, you can't expect these guys to be, just churn out wasted years every album, you know. Right. I mean, plus, plus the fact that there's a classic quote in the, um, in, again, referring to the magazine, classic quote from Harry when um, he's asked, you know, why they don't write songs like, number of beats, blah, blah, blah. And he says, because I don't think that way anymore. Exactly. Don't, don't write that way anymore. Exactly. And no, look, no. People you know, need to go along with what they're doing now. You know, exactly. Not the past. But, I mean, you know, put the past on one side and think about what they're doing now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, yeah. in, in 1984, yeah. in 1984, these guys were in their mid to late 20s. Um, you know, the the metal scene at that time was all about escapism and fa- you know fantasy, and they're the sort of albums we got. And we were we were kids back then, you know, sort of you know, going into our teenage years, and that's what appealed to us. You know, these guys are now in their sixties. They've got families. They've got you know uh, children. They've they've seen you know good times and bad times and. You know the music they're producing reflects that. It's a much more introspective, reflective uh, vibe, and I think people need to understand that. You know, so some yeah. of the. I also think it's you think of, you know, the the evolution of the music. Yeah. You also you got to think of the evolution of yourself as well. You're yeah. not the same as you were. No, that's right. Five, four years ago, you've evolved. You you've changed. You're different. It's the same with music. It, it all changes because I always refer to the debut from the debut album to Seventh Son. I've actually said it on the forum. I don't think any band <laughs> can match that seven album run. No, I mean, I'm a big Beatles fan, and not even the Beatles could, could do that. That that's seven album span is probably the best by any band ever in my opinion. I agree. It was, um, I mean, you know, we were sort of living through it. Um, I mean, I discovered the band in 83, but still, it just, every album was just an upward trajectory. And, and it, 1988, it just hit a, a crescendo, didn't it? And, yeah, and it did, yeah. you sort of maintain that right into 1990, 92, and then sort of start to go, which we're going to do a whole episode on this, aren't we, Paul? So, we um, are. We're going to do 92, 93. Yes, we are. So, so Paul, <laughs> Paul, tell me, tell me three and a half months on. Tell me what you think of the album. Tell me what the, what your highlights are. Um, I actually think it's their best since A Matter of Life and Death. Yeah, agreed. Now, totally. I, I do, I do like Final Frontier. Um, Book of Souls 
I would give that a seven out of ten. There's there's a few songs on there that I like. <laughs> I would say I'm, I'm <laughs> overly enthusiastic over it, but um, it's it's that progression again, isn't it? Like we say, but mm. yeah, I think I think as they call it the reunion era. I think a matter of life and death is probably the best. Now this one's come along. I think this one is the best since that album. I'm not saying it is the best, but since a matter of life and death. Um, highlights for me, I would say at the moment, it sort of changes though. Yeah, every time I hear it, I think, oh, yeah, I think that one's a little bit better this time. Um, title track. Really like the title track. Um, Time Machine. Definitely Celts. Mm. Parchment, Parchment, Hell on Earth. I, I, when I first heard it, I, I kept playing Lost in a Lost World quite, a, quite a lot. I, I really liked the intro and the outro to that. Seems to go on the back burner at the moment for me. Um, it's, it's mainly those ones that I mentioned. Writing on the Wall, I really like as well. I just, I think that's a great song. Mm. Stratego, good, good rocker. Um, Darkest Hour and Days of Future Past, I think, are the, probably the ones I least play. Not that I don't like them, but I just think the other songs are the better ones for me on that album. Well, <clears throat> excellent. Yeah, it's interesting. Every, everybody's got a favourite. Everybody's got, you know, different, different perspective. Yeah. See, whereas Darkest Hour for me is a huge highlight because it's reminiscent of Wasting Love. And... Um, the the emotion in that song is is yeah. next next level. And it's also it's also you know quite a patriotic song as well. I mean we we'll get it into yeah. what it's what it's about in a moment. But you know when Bruce sort of sings um, the, the the words the sons of Albion, it's it's it is quite a um, you know a sort of has patriotic undertones to it. I just love yeah. love Adrian's playing. Um, I think that could be a good a good live. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. Actually, it's one of those ones where, um, like, yeah, I, I compare it to Talisman. Talisman on Final Frontier is, to me, is a, is a very good song. It is, but live, live, it is superb. Love it live. If I play it, I play the live version from Endeavor. I just think it's so much better live, and I think Darkest Hour for me will probably be better live when when or if they do play it on, yeah. on an and, album at all. Yeah. yeah, and some songs, in fact, do translate better to a live version. So, all right, so one, one thing we're going to do today is, um, because this album uniquely is a very complex album and the songs, you know, are just so so profound in their meaning, we're actually going to do an analysis. On the, um, on the Iron Maiden forum, the fan club forum, there's yeah. a there's a thread there's a particular thread called senjutsu song meanings yeah. and it is probably the most perfect resource for understanding what some of these songs are about so what we're yeah. going to go through okay. most of the, the glasses s- on there so yes actually I will too um because I've got to go so through I'll read, read some of this read yeah. some of this as well because as i said um when we all heard power slave back in the day, the songs were very self-evident, okay? Um, yeah. But as the bands become more complex in their music, 
the songs have become a lot more layered and cryptic. So um, we're going to go through not every song because some of the songs, well, a couple of the songs are pretty pretty obvious. I mean, um, we don't really need to analyze Hell on Earth, you know, too deeply. It's pretty obvious. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, some of these songs are really interesting. So we're going to go through the main ones, yeah. and the title track Senjutsu, and this is obviously, um, you know, has a very strong Japanese theme. It's set in ancient Japan and um, the way Bruce starts the song is referring to uh, is it beat the warning the sound of the drums and that is basically about the um, the Mongol invasion that's how the Mo the Mongol armies used to uh, communicate to their enemies that they were about to attack and the reference to a wall in this song is actually the um, it's called the the Genko Barui Wall in Japan, and that's um, that's the wall that the the samurai army, uh, the, the Japanese samurai established to to repel the the Mongol attack in um, 1274, and it I guess lends to the title Senjutsu, which actually means you know strategy of war loosely, yeah. um, and that was a, a very unique. Uh, sort of battle strategy that the Japanese samurai established um, the wall. So it's once again Iron Maiden teaching us history as they have done throughout the uh, throughout their career. Now I just love this opener. It's it's majestic. Nico's Nico's drumming um, almost recreates that that Mongol um, you know war cry. So um, it's a great one for me. Paul Stratego. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I think we we're both using the same same notes that we got here from from the forum. Yeah, we are absolutely. It's, yeah, um, they, you know the one I've got here. This I kind of see it as a burden on the soul of someone who's led a life and planning and strategizing war. Mm. But sort of going deeper into that. Um, I've done my research, and someone, someone else seems to feel. And if you read the lyrics, yeah, it kind of echoes it. It tells the story of a warrior in their last moments and their cry for closure. So, yeah, you could you could read different things into it. When you read the lyrics, it's it's down to your own interpretation. Isn't yeah. It? So yeah, we yeah. know that Stratego was a was a board game. That's right. Um, yeah, but when you when you read people's interpretations, yeah, you can see both sides. When you when you see one story and another story, they sort of do mix and go with the lyrics of the song. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I interpret Stratego as very much uh, getting into the mind, the psychology of of war. I mean, the first two exactly, tracks. Yeah. Yeah, the first two songs on this album really do, and even a couple of other songs which we'll get to, they do talk about the the psychology, the the mental state behind war and strategy of war. It's, it's which which really also does harken back to what they've done in the past, just on a more complex basis. Um, yeah, yeah. The um, writing on the wall. So we get into religious themes, which again Maiden always do, and this is um, about Belshazzar's feast, based on the Old Testament, the Book of Daniel, chapter five, 
verses 1 to 31. Now, Lupi, this is something you would have been um, very well versed in from your Sunday school days back in the East End, I I would think. (laughs) Sunday school? Do you know what? My mum sent me to Sunday school once, and after about 10 minutes, I walked home. I was about eight. No, probably not even that. I was about six. Um, Not having none of this. (laughs) <laughs> well, what was it? Why? What happened? What? Um, talking about you know, when you've got someone there trying to preach to you, there's you know there's this sort of man that lives in the clouds and all that sort of crap, and it's like you know it's not true. You know, all right, everybody believes what they want to believe, but I didn't believe in it, and therefore I wasn't going to stand for it, so I went home. What did what did what did your mum say when you went home? Go home early, darling. <laughs> not, my, not my God, then. Neither of my parents were that religious, so why pack me off to Sunday school? Unless they wanted a bit of nookie on a Sunday morning. I don't know. I'm just going to talk about the book of Daniel now. Um, so... Oh. Oh, God, the directions this show goes in sometimes. Um, so, look, uh, Bruce Bruce has spoken extensively about Belshazzar. So in short, um, uh, Belshazzar was a, a king who was a bit of an asshole, a very impious, um, and he disrespected the, the temple uh, because he raided the temple in Jerusalem, stole all the, you know, sort of the, 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 the artwork and the vessels, and they were at a drunken feast one night, and he brought out all the looted uh, uh, vessels. They all drank, got pissed, and um, a hand appeared. A hand appeared and started to write on the wall, Um, but nobody could decipher this writing. So uh, Belshazzar's wife suggested that they bring in the prophet Daniel, and Daniel was able to interpret um, this writing as basically a warning of Belshazzar's demise as a king, um, and uh, simply because of his impiety. And uh, that, in fact, happened. Belshazzar had a, a, a very, you know, he, he experienced his downfall, and all of his kingdom was given to the, the Persians, um, the, the Medeans of the Persians. So... Um, that and that's how the saying that in colloquial language, the writing on the wall came about. Um, it really, is based on that hand that appeared in the feast and started writing a cryptic message on the wall. So that's um, the writing on the wall. Um, do, you, do you know? Do you know about the W O T W that appeared on the tour poster the year uh, before? Yes, that's right. That was yeah, it, 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 Eddie coming out of the studio. Should. No, no, it was the, it was the, from memory, it was sort of the recreation of the two minutes to midnight cover, something like that for the tour for 2021. Ah, uh, yes, 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 correct. This year, I think it came out last year, advertised this year. That's right. And on the wall was the WOTW, and people were, it sort of, sort of got dismissed kind of on the forum, and I'm going to confess this. I actually, when I saw it, thought, oh, right, on the wall. Didn't, didn't think that. anything of it. Uh, that picture of Eddie there? Yeah. Is that the one you're talking about? 
No, no, it was actually on the actual Iron Maiden web page. That, that's on the, uh, that's in the W O T W. Is actually written on the yeah. web behind you on there. Yeah, it was on it was on the tour advertisement poster, and that's when it first appeared. And I, th I think it was done by mistake or whatever. But I actually thought to myself, oh yeah, right on the wall. Didn't think anything of it. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. going back to the the right on the wall song, there is a mix of the book of Genesis in there as well. We've got Adam and Eve. And you've got the revelation of the four horsemen. Mm. So there is, like you said, there is that re religious undertone through the song, obviously with the book of Daniel was the main one, but also you've got the, the Adam and Eve and the four horsemen as well, which we've built into the video. I don't think it's to do with the, the no. actual the meaning of the song it was just a good idea to build those religious aspects into the video yeah well. and they've always done this they've always it's probably since the the third album where with hallowed Pallad be thy name they've always um pretty much done this you know they've explored religion they've explored you know this you know the bible they've explored uh, all sort of various spiritual themes. It's it's something that Iron Maiden do, and they do it very, very, very well. Um, I mean, we yeah, know yeah. we know we know Nico's a practicing Christian, um, and I don't know about the other guys, but I think they do it really well. They do it really, really well. All right, next up, Lost in a Lost World. Paul, tell us about Lost in a Lost World. Lost in a Lost World. Well, the, the interpretation that I found, whether this is right or not, is the extermination of the Native American culture, similar to Run to the Hills, but with much more pain and wisdom. Now, <laughs> I, I don't really see that in the lyrics at all. It doesn't come through to me in the lyrics. So I don't see it either. I, then, I... I did, did some more research. No, I did some more research. I did. And this is what it's... The lyrics deal with the extermination of the Native American population. Um, the piece is sung from the Native's point of view, even if it is the starting point from which perspective the themes of the song are introduced. The track also deals with the themes of the remembrance of the past and the survival of one culture throughout common memory and history. Mm. Yeah, that theme does come through... Um quite strongly on that song I, I, I think it's a beautiful song I know some people don't don't like it I yeah, love I, well. yeah. I love yeah. the ending I love that and this is what Steve Harris does so well time and again he's able to create um, in some of these outros that he does really nice mood yeah. with the music I just love this song so um, uh, right Days of Future Past is um I can't figure this song out. I really can't figure this song out. So the two varied opinions on this is that, um, I mean, Bruce says it's, Bruce originally says it's based on Keanu Reeves's, uh movie, Constantine. Okay. Mm. And there's also a TV series called Constantine, um, which I've never watched before, but it's about some bloke with, magic powers and he exercises demons and all this sort of stuff but you read the lyrics and they are very quite strong overtones of the fall of lucifer 
Um, yeah, yeah, I've, yeah, I've picked that up as well. So, yeah, have you I'm, have you got the I, lyrics? I Bruce, Bruce has been on record actually to say it's based on Constantine, hasn't it? Based yeah, absolutely. But like you say, it's yeah, it could be about the fall of Lucifer. Yeah, yeah. which we've had before with like the Lord of Light, haven't we? Lord of Light, yes, of course, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really good dynamics on this song. Um, you know, I love the verses. I love the the the, the verse that. Um, it, it's probably the, a more quicker, you know, straightforward song than the rest it's, of them. It's, so it's a, it's a, it's a, to me, a typical Adrian Bruce song. Yes, I agree. I, I totally agree. Yeah. I completely agree with you. Now, yeah. Paul, my least favorite song in the album, "The Time Machine." Can you, could you? No, I'm sorry. No, I apologize. No, 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 no. <laughs> Look, this <laughs> this might stretch the friendship a little bit. I know, but um. I, <laughs> I don't know, mate. This song it takes three minutes to really get into it. When it when they do get into it after the third minute, I look. It is good, and there's a real edge to it. Um, talk, look, talk to me about this song. Tell me why you like it. Tell me what you think it's about. Simple answers. Time machine. <laughs> it's literally. It's literally. Yeah. yeah. It's it's not like caught somewhere in time. They caught somewhere in time is someone offering someone the chance to travel in time, mm. but to do it they've got to give them their soul, haven't they? That's that's the basis of that song. Where this one is actually someone who's saying, to me, the way I interpret, I've got a time machine. This is what I've done. You, I can tell you stories of things that I've done, things that I've seen. I've been to the past. I've been to the future. I've seen this. I've seen that. It's someone relaying a story. And sort of begging someone to, to listen to it, you know. I what, what is it? I've seen God's Paul. Do you, to, Paul, do, do you think it's autobiographical? Because it's almost like Steve Harris looking back on his career and his life and relating all the things that he's seen and done. It could be in a cryptic way, couldn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, you know. I've lived a long life. I've seen the world. I could tell you stories. Hair will stand on end. You, That's you, it. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Yeah. I've seen the gods cry, howling in the wind. Yes. You know, I, to, I interpret, the way I interpret it is, is literally someone who's just, right, sit down, I'm telling you a story. I've got this time machine. This is what I've seen. This is what I've done. That's my interpretation of it. I'm, you know, I'm. I might be right, I might be wrong. No, no, it's about, look, it's about perspective. Everybody interprets these things very differently. So, Lippy, if you could travel in time, where would you go? When would you go to? Ooh. I think I'll go back to Roman times. Roman times? Oh, I was expecting, yeah. I was expecting you to say the Killers Tour. No, I don't want to go through that again. <laughs> That's everything I went through with Clive. Why would I want to do that again? Oh, of course. <laughs> let's just... I forgot about that. Yes, let's... <laughs> let's. All I'll right. Go, I'll go back to the 1980 FA Cup final and uh, trip Trevor Brookin up just before he scores. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is sort of sort of add something to that, Paul. As you can imagine, right, there's me, Clive, Steve... Um, Dennis, all at Dennis's house, he was cooking a curry, and we're all having a few beers. 
And when Brooklyn scored, everybody's gone, yay! And there was fucking lines of lager all over his ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> his missus came in going, what the fucking hell is that? Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. I think a bit of, bit of trivia on that. Wasn't that the last time a team outside the top division won the FA Cup? No, didn't, um, didn't Brighton do it as well? We read that. Or was Brighton in the Premier League? Brighton lost to United in the final, didn't they, in 80? No, wasn't it Portsmouth? Portsmouth. I thought they were Premier League then when they won it. Oh, they might but have been. There you go. Just yeah, Carry on. Yeah. Imagine if we had Steve Harris on this show talking about football. In game. should get him on. Imagine that. Well, just... we, we, we need to keep Paul on here. Yeah? Sorry? We need to keep Paul on here. Yeah? No, I'm, no Paul, Paul, Paul's going to be a regular. He's... <laughs> Paul's appearance already has eclipsed anything you and I have ever done, Loopy, to be honest. So it's, uh, it's great. He's done research. He's done his research, exactly. We just, we, we just, we just get on here and talk, talk oh, shit. I know nothing, Paul. I know nothing. The closest I've ever been is um, doing Heaven Can Wait. But there you go. Yes. Oh, we'll talk about that. Don't worry. That's going to be a special show. Well, it's going to be a special show. That's, 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 for, some, that's for another time, yeah. Yeah, I did, I did Heaven Can Wait. Yeah, well, we're going to talk talk about that another time. Um, Darkest Hour. Uh, it's about Churchill's stand in World War Two, um, and it also gives a bit of insight into Churchill as a person as well. I mean, he talks about having the black dog, um, the depression. I mean, I didn't know this, but Winston Churchill suffered from severe depression. Um, you know, he had all the symptoms, you know, he was he'd sort of lose interest in pleasurable activities. In addition to low mood, he had sleeping issues, um, all kinds of things. But he also was quite manic at times. So there's speculation you actually had bipolar disorder. But um, this song is loosely about the 2017 movie about Churchill, The Darkest Hour. And funnily enough, um, uh, that movie also uh, has that famous speech that we all heard back in 1984-85 before the show, before Aces High came on. Which it was the, 1940, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was 1940. <laughs> you know, it was 1940. So it was a great film. It was a great film. Yeah, but I, I love. I haven't watched it yet. I've still got it on my Sky it's Planner to watch. Mate. I've not seen this album. So I've not seen that show, uh, show movie. But but th- this is um, this is probably one of the more more poignant, moody, really sad songs on the album. Um, I don't know whether that was in, intended that way, but uh, Bruce's emotion is is really good, um, really powerful. Um, as I said, it's, it's also quite pa- patriotic um, with some of the lyrics. Anytime Bruce uses the word Albion. You know, you know, it's, he's talking very affectionately about England. So, um, yeah, a great song. I know you don't like it as much as I do, Paul, but I love this song. Um, all right, what's I think next? It's going to be a grower for me. I think it's going to be a grower. A grower. Yep. Yeah. All right, what's next? Death of the Celts, isn't it? Oh yes. Freedom. Yeah. It's. Dare I say, Clansman Part Two. It is. It really is. Well, I, I obviously I pre-ordered the album, um, <clears throat> and I downloaded the album on iTunes, so mm. I've got it sort of 
straight after midnight. That was one of the first tracks I went to. And someone did ask me before their album turned up, what do you think of that song? And I actually said, to me, it's a cross between the Clansman and the Red and the Black. Um, whether I'm right or not, but that was my initial feeling. Um, yeah. yeah, it's obviously it's not the Clansman part two, but everybody seems to, seems to think it is. Oh, look, it's definitely got, um, it definitely has a, a nod, a tip to um, the Klansman. I mean, it really does. Yeah. So, so it's, I, that comes across quite strongly. Look, it's pretty straightforward. It's about the end of the Celtic civilization, really. So now, Loopy, your yeah. favorite song, um, The Parchment, um, and boy, is this a re- probably the most talked about song on this album because... So many people love this song, and there's also people who don't understand what all the fuss is about with this song. Um, for me, this is the big grower. Um, when I first heard it, I, uh, I I just didn't know what the fuss was about. But you listen to it once, twice, three times. By the fifth or sixth listen, this song is is really special. It's it's a very well written Harris song. It's intricate. The playing is great. The the vocals are great. Um, I mean, the... if I'm being honest with you, Kaz, to be perfectly honest, when I first heard it, um, lyrically, I, I, I've not heard, I don't listen to the words nine times out of ten. I listen to the music going on behind. And to me, it was so much like um, Hello, Breathe Thy Name, the build, that constant build. Mm. You know, and it, it, that that to me, that's that's why it stood out. And yeah. I no idea what, what the words are. Or well, no, no, no one really does. But again, I, Iron Maiden fans are so good at doing research. And um, there's a couple of guys uh, who have posted on the forum and actually done a lot of research. And um, I mean, mm. there was speculation that it was about the 2005 novel by Gerald McLaughlin called The Parchment. Then um, one of the posters, and I have to give credit because the the, the research is great. Uh, one of the posters called Snatcher Forty Two, whoever you are. Um, yeah, see that, yeah. Yeah, it's basically said said that this song could be about a Hellen- ancient Hellenistic king called Mithridates the Sixth, and he was the king of Pontus. So, to, Lupi, Pontus was what was modern day northern Turkey. Which is part of ancient Greece, and it was a pilot. Uh, who? <coughs> the pilot. No, 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 no. If you, if pilot. you, no, no, no. If you get the map and you look at, <laughs> if you get the map and you look at uh, modern day Turkey, the northern part, which was part of the you know Hellenistic Empire. Again, history. We love Iron Maiden because they teach us a was, lot of history. Wasn't that all part of the uh, Byzantine Empire, though? Was it, are we talking before that? No, we're talking before that. The Byzantine Empire was um, after the uh, after three hundred or four hundred AD. This is BC. So um, wow, yeah. Okay. And this guy was an interesting character. He basically usurped his mother and brother had taken control of the throne. He decided to poison them, take over. He became a, a bit of a dictator. And he's depicted with leopard skin, which is what um, the song actually mentions about leopard skins and things like that. Um, and, and another poster on the forum said that this could be about Nero, 
you know, the, the, the life of Nero, which we don't know. So uh, very, very yeah. interesting. And we don't really need to talk into too much detail, even though it's my favorite song on the album. And I'm going to say this probably one of the best Iron Maiden songs I've ever heard in 40 years. And that is Hell on Earth. What, what Harris produced is just the best thing, the best song I've ever heard, or one of the best songs I've ever heard. I really put this at the level of um, Rhyme the Ancient Mariner. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I love this I think song. I think the last two songs, The Parchment and Hell yeah. on Earth, I think that's kind of one of, like, Rugged Edge, apparently, <clears throat> Steve, Steve's locked himself away for a couple of days, Ooh. and he's literally worked the song out, you know, yeah. note for note, and gone through it all, and gone back into the studio, and says, right, this is it, this this is this yeah. song, this is that yeah. song, which yeah. I think he did, he did for Marilyn, I know, Mariner was written when they were in Bahamas mm. recording Power Slave, but I think this is one where he's literally taken a couple of days on each of these songs and nailed it. Yeah, he really has. Um, and again, it's one of the more melancholic, sadder songs on the album. It deals with it's almost prophetic, it's almost like I mean, this was written and recorded in early 2019 when life was wonderful. You know, all of us were yeah. living so-called normal lives. But it's almost prophetic because this song deals with um, loss. It deals with, uh, you know, it talks about, I guess, the world just turning into a complete and utter intolerable hellhole, and, um, which is what happened for the last two years. So yeah, yeah. so it's it's strange. And... Um, Loopy, one of our mutual friends uh, in the US, uh, Rob Fester, he actually put up a really good post uh, when the album came out. He almost said, it's almost like the band saying goodbye to us, you know, because it's, and I thought that was a really interesting comment because when I heard that album, sure, despite the fact that there's tour dates and things and all that, I did for an instant get that thought as well. I really did. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. Whether whatever plays I mean, out. You, you, you may nail on the head that you know studio wise, they, they could sort of bow out at the end of this tour. Who knows? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Yeah. I think they've still, they still got one more in them. You know, but I do as well personally. Yeah. Yeah. Look, from a creative point of view, they've got they've potentially got you know two, three albums in them, but, but because, I mean, they've had two years and imagine some of the material and ideas they've had in this time. I mean, we, they could record on and on, but, but as far as the music industry, as far as time, as far as their touring life, you know, you sort of wonder. You sort of wonder whether this is the last album. So, look, that was a bit of a run through. Now, um... Just we, look, we really have to discuss the tour. They've announced uh, an extra wad of dates in um, Canada and US and Europe, even. <clears throat> and they're calling this is going to be like the Legacy of the Beast and Senjutsu tour. Uh, my understanding is they're going to play three songs off Senjutsu. Um, apparently so, yeah. Apparently yeah. so. But my question is my question is, are we actually going to get? ever a dedicated Senjutsu tour. So 
what is the purpose of doing an extended Legacy of the Beast tour? What is the purpose of doing, I think, 50-odd shows now? Why? We've uh, discussed this numerous times. Why couldn't they just knock the the, uh, Legacy on the head and gone out with a completely new show? They've had time to prepare it. I don't know. I'm surprised. I thought they'd honour half a dozen legacy shows that they, or a dozen odd legacy shows in Europe that they have, and then actually go for a Senjutsu tour, a dedicated Senjutsu tour with a, uh, a you know, a stage show. Um, you know, you you would think it'd be one of those Japanese temples. Um, you know, and play six, well, five, five, six, seven songs off the album. Going at the back of the back of the stage. Yeah, sorry, yeah. a big pagoda at the back of the stage. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm personally really surprised. I'm really surprised. I was expecting. Um, you, know, you know the way they, they did the um, uh, legacy tour. They, they did it in sections. They did. Uh, they did it in like sort of three sections. Yeah, they did. Now they they can't make the show any longer by adding a fourth. No. So could they actually take one of those sections away and turn that into the center section? And you know, that's been discussed I, I don't know. on the forum. Yeah, yes. they, yeah, they take one of the the sections out and do a Sinjetsu section, like a sin. Yeah, they take certain songs out of each section and put one that goes with that because it starts. It's war, uh, religion. religion, and hell, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. they can cover all of that on, yeah. Yeah. Tracks of new albums. So, yeah, yeah. They, 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 you know, they could, they could take out a Where Eagles Dare and put a war song on. I take don't know. They just take know. out a Revelations. I'm, I'm just thinking off the top of my head and put something else in and take something out of the the Hell section and put something in there. So, or I, yeah. do they just add three more songs and do only the take the three encore songs out and do three. I don't know. They're really hell-bent on pushing this Legacy of the Beast again, even with a new album. I, I really was uh, expecting... Yeah. I thought that they'd do the Europe dates and then the dates that they announced for North America and Mexico, They would. I thought that would be the Senjutsu yeah. tour. So they surprised everybody, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I was expecting, you know, a, a dedicated tour, and there was even talk of. Well, I suppose, but the other side of it, you look at the other side. If, they, if they're going to add three songs from Senjutsu, and continue with pretty much everything they've already got in the legacy, that is pretty much saying goodbye when you think about it. That's right. Covered their entire history. Now this is sounding like a farewell tour. It really is. It it, it it looks like one. It sounds like one. I don't want it to be one, but it it. I don't know. It's an unusual thing to have a new album. It is, it is a tough one. To ha- I, can't, I can't see it being a, a farewell tour. No, 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 it's not. It's fundamentally not, but it... I think 2023 will get the Sinjitsu tour. But obviously, two years, nearly two years after the album was released, it's because what's going on at the moment is it. Of course, it's what's been going in the last nearly two years. So, of course, this this album should have come out what last year, twenty twenty, yeah, 
yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, at the shows um, that I was at in North America, I mean, Bruce would always say, we've got some new music for you very, very soon. Okay. Exactly. And, yeah. uh, you know, the we know that these songs that we're listening to were recorded in March and April and part of May of 2019. So effectively, yeah. this album is almost, it's not even a new album. I mean, it's new release-wise, but it's it, what we're listening to is is not, not a new album. It's two and a half, approaching three years old. So um, yeah, interesting, interesting times. Interesting. But, you know, you know, the, the, you know what they like. They do everything on their own terms. They're not dictated by everybody. Exactly. Anybody. They do what they want to do and when they exactly. want to do it. And, and that's, they've done that from from day one, haven't they? That's that's it. And Their that's resources. why we love them very much. Um, all right, good. I think that was a nice discussion, guys. That was a really good discussion. Yeah, really um, good. Yeah, yeah. So we'll. Uh, sorry much enjoyed and we got the technology to work which was a disaster <laughs> at the start so all right gang so didn't disappear once hmm? no he didn't no he didn't disappear oh, once no once. you you loopy have have been on the screen with clarity your voice has been shining through it's just it's a sight to behold mate it really <laughs> which one which hair <laughs> I'll tell you what, I've got this, got this new. I'm, let everybody know why not. Um, early Christmas present is from my stepdaughter. Uh, it was a new um, hair and beard trimmer. So I did my beard yesterday. Uh, yesterday, well, uh, day before yesterday. Needed to get that sorted out because it was like this. And uh, my hair, I look like Doc Brown out of um, Back to the Future. <laughs> So I decided to give that a go as well. And when I finished, I still got what I call aerials. And one sticking up there and another one sticking up there. Doesn't matter how many times you go over it, the no. bloody hair just stays there. So I was in the in there this morning with a pair of scissors just snipping off these last few little bits. But um, yeah. Oh you look great. So you look much more managed. You look well, you look healthy and um, you know, it's 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 great to Great to uh, see you today, mate. So, all yeah. right. Thanks, everyone, for joining in. We will uh, we'll see you for the next one, as we always right. say. And um, before we go, before we go, I'd just like to put it out there. Can everybody please subscribe, like, share, comment, and hit the bell icon so you get all of our notifications. Absolutely. And, could, Lupi, could you, could you do the honours and wish everyone a happy Christmas and a festive season? I might. Might. You just did it, Kaz. Yeah, I know, but it's got to come from Loopy. <laughs> it's, got to, it's got to come from the statesman of the show, Loopy. Um. Okay, right. Um, everybody, have a great Christmas, a fantastic New Year, and we'll see you on the next one. Stay safe, everyone. Enjoy your time with yep. your family. Stay safe. And we'll, we, we will see you soon. Take care. Yep. Thanks for joining Bye, us, Paul. And you're going to be on with us... Uh, you're gonna well. You're part of the six six four family now, so you're gonna be with us. Uh, yeah. No we, you'll be you'll be on the next one. So we'll see you for the yeah. next one, mate. Okay. We're looking forward to it. Take care, guys. Bye bye. Thank you, guys. Bye bye.